Grieve, love, heal. You can't do them alone. We all lose people we love, so let's talk about it. I'm Angela Melvin. My mother died when I was 10 years old, and that's why I started Valerie's House. It's a safe place in Southwest Florida for children who've lost someone they love. Join us as we explore how to grieve, love, and heal together. Thanks for joining us for the Grieve, Love, Heal podcast. I'm April Riley, joined by Valerie's House Program Director, Amy Strom. Thanks for having me. This is my favorite time of year. The fall is comforting and familiar. It's the weather and the smells and the food, but that's not the case for everyone. And we want to draw attention to that today. Yeah, unfortunately, oftentimes holidays and seasons are related to some of our most comforting memories that we have with our family and our loved ones. And so unfortunately, when these holidays come back around, they bring with them um, reminders of the lost loved one that we have. Um, And so it's important that as holidays come that we um, are respectful of families as they, again, maybe have some triggers that will be associated with this time of year. And what are some of the markers or specific examples, you mentioned triggers, that people associate with fall and that might bring about those feelings of grief? Well, I think when we think about triggers, they're so individualized. It can be anything from um, seeing pumpkins and the changes of leaves to the smell of maybe the kitchen, maybe pumpkin pie or um, butternut squash soup or something that um, was a constant um, reminder of ways that they celebrated together or enjoyed this change of season. Um, So I think, unfortunately, it's hard to just pick out one or two triggers um, because it is so individualized to each person. Halloween is a big part of the fall season as well, but there's also a big focus on death with that. How can that affect someone who is grieving, especially a child, when they're bombarded with images of headstones or skeletons or even ghosts? Right. I think for so many, we think Halloween is such a great time of year and we have so many great memories. It's fun to get dressed up in costumes and the air is getting more brisk and we see changing leaves and of course candy and trick-or-treating all those things bring fun images but as you mentioned April the images of death and dying and skulls can trigger a lot of these um, negative experiences for families who've lost um, a family member especially if it was in a brutal um, traumatic way so it's important that as we come to the holiday um, that we Listen to where our kids are, especially as they're grieving. They may have some worries or concerns. Um, It's not uncommon for kids to worry about um, who else will die um, and then what will happen to them. So just being present and being able to listen to them. And if they want to change routines, um, maybe they did go trick-or-treating and this year they don't want to go trick-or-treating. Let your child lead how you're going to now celebrate. Would you be able to give any specific examples of some of the reactions that a child may have um, when they maybe see something that is going to bring up a lot of emotion? Yeah, I think it's um, easy to say that most of their kids, um, we either tend to notice that they either internalize and those are the unseen behaviors, so they may withdraw, they may want to spend more time in the room, maybe only listen Um, to music or play video games and really withdraw from family activities or activities that they were 
um, used to doing participating in before. Um, the other way would be behavioral and acting out. Um, so behaviors that may not be typical for them to do, but um, it's kind of their way of crying out. So maybe um, more temper tantrums or maybe um, refusing to follow rules. Um, also things that they can control. We might notice that their grades are dropping um, because they have control over that and so not turning in homework. When it comes to Halloween, how can parents calm these fears and worries and what precautions should they take if they want to take their child out trick-or-treating maybe after a major loss? I think it's always best to reassure our children first and to let them know if they are experiencing any discomfort or any worry that we validate their concerns. And so just being available to listen and hearing what they're saying, um, it's important to be an active listener and hearing what those concerns are and not trying to make assumptions about what our kids are feeling. And then if we're able to validate um, what they're feeling, then maybe we can help um, some of those fears subside. You know, fears often evolve from a lack of knowledge and control. And so with the loss of a loved one, we often feel out of control. So by providing information and making them feel safe and secure with boundaries and letting them know at any time when they're out trick-or-treating, if they need to come home or they want to stop, that that's always an option for them. When these triggers come about, people or children aren't always in a place where they feel that they can show emotion comfortably. What should they do in those instances and how can others be supportive? Well, I think that's more often the case than not is that that you're out in public or something triggers um, one of your memories or an emotion. It could be a sight, a smell, a sound. Um, But it's okay to remember that it's okay to have those feelings and it's okay um, to be sad, to cry, to take time. You know, these are all symbols of how much you cared for that person and that relationship. Um, But it's okay to remember to take a moment if you need to step out of a store or um, put your head down if you're in class in the middle of school or asked to go to the bathroom. Um, Some of those things may change the scenery, give you some of that privacy that you want. Um, We also know that some people can repress those feelings for a while. Um, And it's okay to do that too, but just make sure that you're allowing yourself to enjoy some of those memories and to actually feel um, some of those emotions and not having them pent up. Sometimes it's not always sad. Sometimes when we think of our loved ones, we smile. And it's, it's not so much a sorrowful feeling. Is that a positive sign that maybe the person who is grieving is on a path to healing? Yeah, I think it's important for each person who's affected by loss to adapt to their new reality without their loved one um, and really begin to see a new future for themselves um, through the development of their resiliency and their coping skills and what their future is now. It's changed, but that still doesn't mean that it doesn't have to be positive. So as we begin to develop those new coping skills and that new identity, we can begin to enjoy more of those memories. And how can someone stay connected to the memories of the person in association they've made with with a particular season? Yeah, I think it's important that we need to stay connected to our loved ones. Um, if we're talking about theory and research, they talk about continuing bonds. And really what that's saying is that we want our memories to come with us, that we don't want an abrupt ending. Just as that person has died, we want our memories to continue and grow with us and come with us, that we can continue to share them with others. So it's really important that we 
may keep some of the traditions and some of those memories alive, but it's also okay to start some new traditions um, without that loved one that will also bring comfort to your family. Thank you, Amy. You're listening to the Grieve, Love, Heal podcast produced by Valerie's House. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram so you can be notified when we post a new podcast. If you know of a child who's grieving and in need of support, visit our referral page on our website, www.valeriesfl.com.